Welcome to the Night Nerd Podcast. I'm your host, Lance, and we're switching things up a bit. Normally, Thursdays, we talk a little bit of history, and I had some cool stuff planned talking about the history of Disneyland, how the park came to being, what Walt was doing, and uh, what it's been since then and everything. And for Friday's show, we're going to talk to my friend Amanda, who is a huge Disney file, Disney head, Disney connoisseur, obviously, I don't, I don't know what they're called, but Disney fan. Well, the talk with Amanda went so great and so well, and long that I actually got two episodes worth of stuff. We talked for like an hour. So we're just going to do that. Uh, it's, she's way more interesting and way more passionate and knowledgeable about this than I am. So here's part one of our interview. All right. We're here with Amanda. Amanda, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. Uh, first off, thank you so much for joining us. I talked a little bit off mic when I was talking about Disneyland and stuff. I was like, what friends do I have that know about Disneyland? And I remember like the first time I met you, you talked about doing a Disneyland podcast and how much you love Disneyland. And I don't think I've ever seen you not in a Disneyland shirt. I mean, we live in, <laughs> it's not like we see each other a lot. Like, let me preface that. It's not like I see her every day and she has... 400 Disneyland shirts you may yeah, I but know, I do but. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so tell um tell the people at home what what you do and why you're an an expert on this so I am a customer service cast member for Disney World um if you don't know every Disney employee every Disney employee that goes for ABC employees ESPN employees we're all called cast members right down to the janitors. So I am a customer service cast member in reservations at Disney World, and I make and cancel reservations and do all of that good stuff. And I am a Disney Parks freak, fanatic. I've only been working for Disney World since March, but I have been a Disney Parks fanatic and, you know, amateur expert for years and years and years. When did that love for Disney start? Like, was there a precise moment or has it just kind of always been part of you? So my very earliest childhood memory is being three years old and my parents taking me to Disneyland for the first time. So in the deep dive I've done about this in therapy, we think that that might be (laughs) why I have such a deep love for it because it literally is my earliest memory is being at Disneyland. And then I didn't go back again until I was 14. And then I didn't go back again until I was 30. So I don't know. Um, I went, I fell in love. I've always been in love. I've always kind of been obsessed with the 50s in general. I was obsessed with Elvis and Graceland when I was a kid. And so since Disney was built, Disneyland was built in 1955, that kind of fell within that cultural time that I've always loved, um, even when I was a little kid. How many times are you up to now from, from going to Disneyland? It's going to sound surprisingly small to everyone who knows me, who assumes I go all the time or that I've been a ton. So I went when I was three. I went when I was 14. I went twice when I was, um, well, I guess I wasn't, yeah, I was 32 and 34. And I've been to Disney World when I was nine and when I was 28, 29. So um, yeah, only six times, four to Disneyland and two to Disney World. Wow. Okay. Um the Disneyland, you know, it's this week in my research, I've noticed that even though it was the first one, it doesn't get the love that Disney World gets. No, it um, 
why, you know, I don't want to get into which one's better. I'm going to save that. That's going to be our icing on the cake later. <laughs> but do you, why do you think that is that Disneyland is, even though it's the older one, it's just like, okay, yeah, it's our part two, but look at Disney World. So people very much have the bigger is better mentality between the two parks. So Disneyland with its two parks, Disneyland and DCA is one square mile. Disney World with its four parks and two water parks is roughly the same size as San Francisco. So the size difference between the two is substantial. So Disney has marketed Disney World as that once in a lifetime vacation sort of destination. Whereas Disneyland has over a million pass holders who are local to Southern California. So it's very much a locals park. It's a very laid back park and it just hasn't received the marketing that Disney World has received. Um, I think that, that the marketing has a huge, plays a huge factor in the way the two parks are viewed. Yeah. I, you know, everybody wins the Super Bowl. Where are you going? Oh, I'm well, going to Disney it? World. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you mentioned the locals in the local park. One thing that has a lot of things have fascinated me this week. I've learned so much, but about the little subcultures and like the different groups with their jackets and their pens yeah, and, the and everything. <laughs> yeah, what, what's that about? Uh, so there's another podcast episode that I'll have to point you to uh, to listen to because they interview one of the heads of one of the gangs of one of the Main Street gangs of Disneyland. Very cool to listen to. I didn't know a lot about them before I listened to that episode and there are hundreds of them. And it's basically just local Southern Californians who kind of grew up in that nineties culture of like, not gangs, but just like that click sort of mentality. And they're all adults now and have kids and, but they still go to Disneyland all the time. And they wanted just this way to identify each other and to have their little groups and I, one group started it I don't know which one and it just quickly took off because the locals of Southern California you know I have friends who live there that go to Disneyland literally every day I mean when it was open you know they would just go have lunch or they would just go ride one ride and and so they're there all the time all the time and so they just kind of need something else in the park to occupy them because they've done everything a thousand times. That's cool. Um, I, yeah, put your own spin on it. Make a something that big, uh, in the sense of Disney being big. Right. Make it yours. Put your own spin on it. That that's neat. Yeah, it's just crazy to me that. Yeah, and everyone locally in Southern California very much feels a sense of ownership over Disneyland. It is it is such a locals park that they really feel that you know this is ours this is partly ours and so that's kind of a way to carve that niche out for yourself within the park yeah that's something that's newer you know like you said it's been a recent addition um, as far as older additions so as i've been looking i'll find a cool ride and it's not around anymore or mm -hmm. i'll find another one or an attraction or something and it's not around anymore you were saying of the original setup there's hardly anything left right of when it started yeah, there are, there are a handful of rides that are still there from the beginning. Um, Autopia, which is just like diesel, um, like a little go-kart track, essentially. 
uh, is original. And then a lot of our Fantasyland rides, I say our, as if it's my part, because <laughs> I am that person. <laughs> a lot of um, Fantasyland is still original. Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, Alice in Wonderland, um, Peter Pan, Pinocchio, those were all original. The Carousel, um, Dumbo. So we have those originals mostly centered in Fantasyland. And then a couple of things spread throughout the park that are still there. But by and large, most of it has changed over the years. Well, as Disney's become Disney, you know, we're owning half of everything or everything. more. <laughs> um, how do you feel about updating the park? Not aesthetically, that we'll get to that next, but I was reading about the Avengers Academy that's opening sometime at this point, soon-ish, yeah. you know, repurposing rides and to to stay relevant with their properties um how how do you feel about that you know because i every ride is somebody's favorite i right. you know I, that's one thing i've learned is people are like no that's that's my jam that's my ride that's so i true. want yeah. that and then it's like oh no this is now um groot's tree sap extravaganza <laughs> or you know something like that uh, how do you feel about that Whew, so that's such a loaded question in the Disney fandom community. Um, it creates a lot of chaos. You know, they are they just announced the retheming of Splash Mountain from Song of the South to um, Princess and the Frog, and people are just losing their minds over that. So for me, um, it's very I'm very hypocrite hypocritical about it because if it's one of my rides, of course I'm much more uh, upset if they change it. But I will say that when they change stuff in DCA, Disney California Adventure, I'm a little less um, upset about it. That park was built by Michael Eisner. That, you know, that was a parking lot up until the 90s. And I don't care. When they are changing things that Walt built, that's when I start getting a little about it. <laughs> um, so, cause we still have so much in Disneyland that Walt did build, even if it wasn't original to the park, you know, Matterhorn wasn't there when it opened, but Walt built it. Same with Haunted Mansion, same with Pirates of the Caribbean, same with It's a Small World, you know, that came from the 64 World's Fair. And so when it's stuff that Walt has his hand on and they start changing it, that's when I get really upset <laughs> and and the thing is is that walt said you know he said disneyland will always change as long as there's imagination in the world disneyland will always change and that's how it was meant to be but that doesn't make me happy about it <laughs> yeah um as far as other changes though as both aesthetic and safety upgrades um because i i was watching some stuff with some of those original rides and we all know if you go back and look at stuff from the 40s and 50s they're death traps. I mean, compared oh, yeah. to our modern standards of safety and well-being, you look at it and you're like, I would never get on that. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like that's a little little different, but sometimes they have to make major changes to the ride. Where does that fall on the spectrum of anger? I guess. <laughs> of, of <laughs> so if they are just updating a ride uh, to make it more safe, they did that with Alice in Wonderland not too long ago, adding some more railing on the outside things like that. Cause in Alice in Wonderland, at one point you come out of the building and you're just like on a cliff and it's not a tall cliff, but if you're four and you fall off of it, you're going to die. So they added railings there and stuff like that. But there are some things in Disneyland, like the people mover, which was there from the beginning. Everyone loved it. They still have it in Disney world, but it's no longer ADA compliant. 
And in order to upgrade it at Disneyland, we're talking about ripping out half of Tomorrowland and they just can't do that. So, so that'll never come back to Disneyland. And it sucks and it's sad, but I'm cool with that. Like I would rather people not die. So I'm cool with those things happening, even though it's sad. Right. I, I'm, I am pro anti-death. At yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that's a whole conspiracy I, I'm not going to get into, but you know, anytime you deal with things this big, you can find rabbit holes and people who've dug real deep in the rabbit holes and stuff. I am more curious about the evolution and the change of the interaction, like the, the weird creepy mask that everybody yeah. wore back in the day. <laughs> yes. I mean, Disney Disneyland, when it opened looking at it now, you know, 65 years later, it's terrifying, both the, the ride safety, but then like the, the Mickey Mouse mask and stuff. I mean, <laughs> it, it boggles my mind. Like I, I'm having flashbacks of seeing all these pictures and all these kids are happy. I'm like, my kids would be terrified. But terrified. so as that has progressed, um, in, and again, this is kind of a, a health safety thing. Where do you think like that end all be all? Because I know some rides are doing like virtual assistants now and their robotics. Um, I've never been, but I feel like there's still something special about, you know, when you walk up and there's uh, Moana or Maui or Alice or somebody and they can like give you a hug and it's a real person. Yeah. But uh, again, you know, safety, health and stuff like that. I mean, where do, do you think we'll ever... I mean, I know 800 years from now we will, but short term, do you think there are places where the human element could be substituted? Um, I would hate to see it happen. Character interactions are one of the things that make Disney parks magical. And it's already, I already kind of hate what it's come turned into. And it's more so this way at Disney World than Disneyland. Used to, the characters just roamed the parks free. And you just ran into them. And when you did, you, you know, got an autograph and a hug and a picture or whatever. But now 99% of the time, um, it's a, you know, they're in a certain spot, you get in a line and you're run through like cattle, get a picture, get an autograph, keep going. And they have a handler and, you know, and they can't be out for long because it's hot and, you know, all of those kinds of things, which is fine. But a lot of that magic is gone. Now, a couple of the characters that do roam around are Peter Pan. He roams around Fantasyland. He has a handler that you can't see because they're plain clothes and just watching. But he'll steal your backpack and run off with it. And you can chase him and he can go on a ride with you and things like that. And that's how it used to be with all characters. And it's not anymore. And now I've gone on a tangent. So I, I do miss that. And I would hate to see that go away. I worry that in the midst of covid that that's one of the things that they're going to fast track changing because right now, currently Disney world is open. Um, there are no character interactions. There are no meet and greets. There's seeing, you're seeing characters from afar on a float or things like that. I would hate to see those kinds of interactions replaced by virtual screens, virtual assistants, things like that, because, and even when you talk about cast members who are just ride assistants, you know, not even characters, that cast member interaction is the hallmark of going to a Disney park. It's what makes it different than going to Six Flags. Mm -hmm. Well, because I, I asked because last season, uh, the Dallas Cowboys introduced, I, I don't know if you saw, they have these basically like a photo booth, a big thing, and you select which athletes you want to appear in a picture, and they 
generate in the picture and you take a picture with them and you know you pay 20 40 50 dollars for i don't remember what it is and given the perception um of the greed that, that a lot of people think disney is about you know hey we don't have to pay people we can set up this photo booth and that's so that leads me to my next question though does disney get a bad rap like as far as the parks and the experience there you you mentioned that disneyland is still kind of homegrown local and everything um versus disney world but in disneyland do you think it still has that walt magic to it or has it gotten conglomerated um I, i guess is what i'm trying to ask well, Lance, I'm really trying to skirt the which is better and why question because <laughs> all of these answers <laughs> revolve around that. But uh, in my four-point presentation about which park is better and why, um, my final point is that Disneyland is very much still run as if Walt is in that park. And there are cast members who work at Disneyland who were hired by Walt, who knew Walt. They're still there. They're still working. One of my favorite examples of that is we were there one year and my youngest son was three and he spilled popcorn in the street. We were waiting for a parade, spilled popcorn and that we just bought and they have um, trolley tracks in the street because that's what all the parade, you know, vehicles ride on. So the popcorn kind of spilled into that too. So we're cleaning it up. And of course a, a custodial cast member comes out of nowhere and he starts sweeping it up. And he, I would say was in his fifties and he's chatting with us. And then after he gets all the popcorn swept up, he pulls out this little tiny tool, like a little pick, and he's picking each individual kernel out of the trolley track, which those are just going to get obliterated. No one's going to see those. But that's how Walt taught them to do it. I mean, you can even see pictures of Walt standing over custodial cast members and construction workers, like watching them do those things. So as he's picking that out and we're just like, wow, you don't have to do that. About that time, another cast member comes up. She had seen all of this happen and she had three buckets of popcorn for all three of my kids that we didn't pay for because she saw that one had spilled them and she wanted to replace that for us. And so that's, that's the environment of Disneyland. That's the magic of Disneyland. And it is very much still run like park, that Walt is there. And Walt had an apartment over the fire, the fire station on Main Street that he would stay in and just watch the park guests and watch what was going on. And when he died, they lit a lamp in that window and it stays lit 24 seven, 365 to remind the cast members that that's whose standards we're still living up to, that this is still Walt's park. This was his dream. Um, And yeah, it it still very much feels like he's there. That kind of reminds me of um, Oceans 13 where they're like, you know, men who, people who shook Sinatra's hand, there's a, an unspoken bond. Like if you did, and it sounds like, if you were there when Walt was there, if you know this, that's, that's yeah. the thing. So we'll, we'll peel back from the our big reveal later, which is better. But it, it's still a favorite question. What is your favorite ride at Disneyland? Haunted Mansion. Why? Hands down. Oh, God. What? Let me count the ways. This is our eight-point <laughs> presentation on Haunted Mansion. So Haunted Mansion, oh, I could do a whole podcast. It has such a storied past. Um, They built the facade of Haunted Mansion five years before the ride actually opened, which is insane for a a building that size to just sit unused and empty in Disneyland, especially Disneyland because we have such little space there. 
Um, and Walt died. So they had built the facade and then Walt died in the middle of them trying to figure out what they wanted the ride to be. Initially, they thought it was going to be a wax museum and a walkthrough and all these other things. And so it ended up being these two Imagineers, Claude Coates and um, David Yancey, who, and well, and a third, but who really had a warring kind of one really wanted it spooky and creepy and weird. And the other one wanted it very, Mark Davis was on this team too, really wanted it campy and funny and not at all scary. And so when you go on Haunted Mansion, there's very much this divide between when it starts, which is super creepy. Master Gracie hangs himself in the elevator in the very beginning of the ride. And you see that, I mean, it's super creepy. And then at the end, you have like bebopping ghosts singing a happy song and like, and, and there's so much history there to why it was built that way. Why, you know, the struggle that the Imagineers had, because that was the first ride that was designed without Walt. He left, he died and everyone went, what do we do now? Because their leader was no longer there. So it has all of that history to it. And then it's just beautiful. It's in New Orleans Square, which is my favorite part of Disneyland. And it's this just beautifully done, beautifully themed area that I just love so much. My youngest son and I, when we're at Disneyland, we ride it literally 10 times in a row. We just love it so much. Nice. So you kind of already answered this with the New Orleans Square thing, but what's your favorite non-ride part of Disneyland? Oh man, that's like, hard. So I do uh, love New Orleans Square. Yeah. Um, New Orleans Square is beautiful. I'm a photographer, so I love photographing all the little details that so many people don't notice when they're there. Um, and, and also my answers are split between Disneyland and DCA, Disney California Adventure. My totally different answers there. But the, the theming and the scenery and the, uh, it's just everything about it is so perfect and everything is placed in a very purposeful way that I love nothing more than to just walk through the little nooks and crannies on Main Street and in New Orleans Square and just look at all of those little bitty details that are so easy to miss. Yeah, but it sounds like a beautiful place. Like I really it need is. to figure out how to get there whenever it opens. Um, we ever open again. <laughs> well, we'll be there. So going back to when I was talking about rabbit holes and things, what's your favorite true or false, um, like crazy fan theory or story that you've heard about Disneyland, you know, and not like, Oh, Walt's head's in the basement or anything right. like that. But you know, cause there's, I've heard stuff from, they use real skeletons in some of the rides and they didn't realize it to, uh, they realized it, but there are real skeletons in pirates of the Caribbean too. Little skeletons, yeah. Uh, but you know, stuff like that. Like, favorite crazy story about Disneyland. Oh man, and that's a lot because you, as you know, there are a lot of insane theories out there. Um, so one of my favorite, and this isn't a conspiracy theory; it's true. But so many people don't know about it. Um, so there used to be uh, this place called Big Thunder Mountain Ranch, which was behind Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Uh, it's now Batu, Star Wars land. Um, but prior to that, it was this ranch where there were goats and stuff that you could go, like real goats you could go hang out with and all kinds of cool stuff there. And turkeys. And all the turkeys that were there are the turkeys that were pardoned by the president on Thanksgiving every year. They got to go live at Disneyland for the rest of their lives until they died of old age. And I just love that. Like, it's such a 
a weird little thing yeah. that no one knows about. Um, and then another thing, and you brought this up in your episode about TVs and movies uh, regarding Disneyland, is that there was a helicopter pad at Disneyland for years. Um, you could, for $4, you could fly from LAX to directly to Disneyland on their commuter helicopter until um, they had a terrible accident and 18 people died and then they stopped it in 1971. But for 10 years, you could go directly from LAX to Disneyland on a helicopter for four bucks. That sounds yeah. awful. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's better than Uber. That's a Right? <laughs> Because that LAX to Anaheim drive is no joke. So, yeah. Yeah, I've heard stories. It just looks. All right. That's all for part one of the interview. Join us next time when we look at more favorites, obscure references, and the ultimate, which is better, Disneyland or Disney World.